I can't stand the rain against my window. Bringing back sweet memories. Well, guys, it's me. C'est moi. J'arrive. I'm back. Bienvenue and welcome to episode 35 of Cake and Kombucha. This is the longest that I've ever been away from you guys because this is my first summer season with y'all and mama had to take a break because it was a little bit tenuous to, I didn't even know if I was going to have the Wi-Fi to really upload lots of megabytes of sound files to the interweb while I was traveling, but I'm happy to be back and I am just, I mean, you know, I arrived right in the thick of it, right in the thick of fuckery. But like there was never really an end to it, right? So I guess that makes sense. If you don't know where you are or if you have a problem with profanity, um, this is Cake and Kombucha with your host, Kalechi Azie. We swear on the show because swearing, actually studies have shown a link between high IQ and the amount of profanity used. Studies have also shown a link between the messiness of your room and high IQ. Studies have also shown that women women with bigger, larger quantities of fat in their butt areas are linked to having higher IQs. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, I think that cussing is a way to express yourself just as any of the other parts of language are available to us. And I don't really have a problem with it. I hope that you don't either. But if you do, um, I can't really help you. So that's just going to be an issue. Welcome again. I'm back. Okay, so where to begin? So for my travels, for my little summer break trip, I went to France, to the south of France, La Côte d'Azur, which means the blue coast, azure, azure coast, and to a beautiful city called Nice, which is spelled nice, and it is very nice. And then I went to Barcelona. I was on a work trip with ma mère, my mother. She uh, let me tag along with her graciously so that I could just be a beach bum while she actually did productive things in the world. It was awesome. I love traveling. I even like the airport. I'm one of those people that it's, it's I guess I'm a weirdo because I like flying. Like I love, I have rituals, going to the airport, getting my coffee, getting my, going to like whatever bookstore chain there is, looking around, usually not buying anything because let's be honest, their selection isn't that great. And um, what I will do is just look at titles and then go onto my library app on my phone and see if they're already there for free because I'm a cheap one. I, I just like it. I like, to me, being on a plane is like, this little mini vacation where you are trapped with nothing to do but sleep or watch movies. Now, I know that lots of other people, especially who fly for work a lot, do not see it that way. Like people actually do have to bring out their laptops and do stuff on the plane. And I have like once or twice. But to me, it's never really that serious. It can wait seven hours. Okay. (laughs) Yes, a whole seven hours it can wait. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, even from just, it's exciting. I find it exciting. I like it. And so I had a layover in Ireland. It was my first time ever being there. No, I didn't leave the airport, but I was in Dublin for mm, like four hours, five hours. 
People were just as friendly as you might stereotypically think they were. I swear someone did say top of the morning to me. But ironically, the first person that I met when I left uh, the plane and deplaned in Dublin was a Nigerian, of course. Uh, They are everywhere. We are everywhere. There's no place we won't go. And he told me, "I, I like the power in your walk. Now... I don't know what that meant. I mean, I guess on a very literal level, it means my walk is powerful, but I don't know what that means. So I can only take it as some sort of compliment, I guess, um, that I, he probably was just looking at my New Yorkness, like my, like, I know where I'm going, even if I don't know where I'm going, uh, persona, because that is something that we have to put on, right? When we, especially if we're traveling by ourselves as a woman, I'm always going to look like, Stomp, stomps, clomp, clomp. I have somewhere to go. I know where I'm going. You can't mess with me. Um, but yeah, I have a I have a neck pillow that is shaped like um, Nemo. It's I mean it's it's whatever kind of fish Nemo is. That's not a clownfish. I actually don't know, but orange and white striped fish. And it was on top of my bag in a precarious position, and it dropped. And later, I came back and it was on top of a sign. Like someone had picked it up and put it on top of this sign, like right where, right near where I dropped it so I could have it again. So I just felt like I had this magical like experience where the Dublin airport, like, like opened a pot of gold and showed me the rainbow. It was great. Um, so then I got to France and I will tell you about that. I'm not going to go super deep and like give you like a day by day rundown, but I will just tell you a few quick anecdotes um, and things of that nature in a quick second. Okay. Euro trip 2019. Here we go. Okay, so I'm in postpartum right now. I am having a hard time readjusting to New York just from the nostril, the nostril portion alone. I didn't smell any garbage for 10 days, and it was a revelation. Um, bathrooms, I had to keep, I was surprised every day that I went to a public bathroom that they were very clean and I just wasn't in any kind of nasty situation. Um especially airports, that was like very, very noticeable. Um, The Mediterranean, I'm in love with the color blue, Mediterranean blue, dark blue when you go further out into the sea, but when you're right by the shore, absolute clear, clear, light aquamarine blue that's completely see-through. And I had convinced myself um, a couple voyages ago that there were no like animals in the Mediterranean Sea other than dolphins. I decided this because I know from like Greek mythology and like my my uh, extensive reading that I like to do about dolphins that dolphins and many, you know, the Phoenicians and Greeks and ancient, you know, civilizations have always had a relationship. They've always been present in the mythology. So I know that they're in the Mediterranean Sea, but I just decided there were no sharks. That was what I wanted to believe for myself. And um, I just was like, yeah, there are no sharks. It's clear. There's never really any fishes by the shore, except these like tiny, tiny ones. 
you know, it's not like there's like coral reefs. There's nothing. There's nothing jumping off here. It's perfectly safe. Of course, that myth was dispelled when I was a little further down the coast. I met this French doctor in the water near Monaco who told me that there were sharks and that there was sharks sighting as close as Amalfi, which was close by and coming to get me. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Got jokes. The French got jokes. Anyway, they're not, were they great? Yeah, there was a great white sighting out there. So that was, that was a myth that was dispelled. Um, I had such a fun time trying to hurt my brain and speak another language that I had studied extensively um, over 10 years ago. And it was amazing. It was like being a little kid to have someone like say something and then you are like in the recesses of your mind be like, oh, I know what that word is. I'm just going to add it to my vocabulary. Like I was in the airport for absolute wahala. Like, oh my gosh, lest I try to make you, you know, don't think I'm saying that like everything in Europe is better than America because some structural things are just extremely, extremely hood. Like I was like, yo, our flight from Nice to Barcelona they oversold it, and then the website for the, it was the the airline is Vuling V E U L I N G. So in in Europe, Europe is like imagine if in the U S we just state hopped all the time. Like we had a weekend vacation. And I was like, I'm going to Texas. I'm going to here. I'm going to there. Like no, even Texas is further too far away. So like I'm going to I'm going to I don't know Chicago or something like. They take their their intercontinental travel is very cheap and you it's just an interesting setup to imagine being like landlocked by a bunch of other countries that speak different languages and how much more like intercultural exchange that would be. I I know that America has its very serious own issues with identity and thinking we're the best and not trying to speak other languages because of our superiority, like not putting effort into it. I'm not blaming any of us individually. It ain't our faults. It's the educational system. It's a manifest destiny bullshit that our government perpetrates. However, I do think there is a little bit more um, trade and back and forth with, uh, like that just happens naturally when you are surrounded by other countries that speak a different language so closely. So anyway, all that's to say that they have their little cheap airlines that fly in between the different countries. And we were taking one of those to go to Spain. So the website of this airline was not working. The website just wasn't working in the morning, so you couldn't check in. So like my mom couldn't check in. So we get there and a flight, a whole last flight that's booked for her by her travel agent, like from her job. It didn't matter. They were like, oh, you didn't check it. We sold the flights. You can't get on. But we didn't find that out until we were in the basement of the air, air, the the airport where, you know how they send you to a different section of the airport where you get on the little shuttle to go to your flight. So for some reason, they had put all the flights into one area downstairs. It was like a riot. Like the pictures that you see of the Hong Kong airport, the past how many weeks have they been processing? Six weeks. That is what this looked like. It was a mess. We were all on top of each other. We couldn't move. Like people were using their babies as collateral and like holding them over the air and like so that the red seeds would part. I mean, it was like a stampede. But literally, I just went on that huge tangent to say that I just remembered words like airplane words because I had been like in a French airport before way back when I was studying abroad and had uh, 
I only studied abroad for a summer, like not like a year or anything, but I had a flight canceled or something. And so people were like saying, annule, annule. And I was like, oh, cancel. Like I would just, I just pick up things. It's like the world is like a 3D textbook and your brain is reactivated from things you used to know. It's just so interesting. I really want to learn more about how memory works, how language is picked up, especially with little kids and like our brain flexibility and where does all that information go? Like where does all that information you used to know go that can just pop out again if you're in the right environment? It's super interesting. So the food is just so fresh. I mean, it's really hard to come back here and eat a tomato. Let me tell you, like there they have those ugly tomatoes that looked the way they used to look before we added all this genetic modifications. And I'm not on the, oh, like genetic modifications are going to kill us train because I actually don't really think that. But they were a quick and dirty way to kind of make food look a certain way that a perfection that's fake and then kind of like bred all the flavor out of it. So they have these lumpy, bumpy things that don't look like the way they look in the U.S. And you're like, oh, that's what a tomato looks like. And the flavor is just exploding. Or, oh, like, look how small lemons actually are. They're not really these fucking Good Burger lemons we get at the grocery store here. Things like that were really interesting to observe. But to tie, I don't want to go on forever. So to tie things back to the U.S., one thing that was interesting was watching the news in our hotel rooms. Um, In France, the only English-speaking channel we had was... And th- we couldn't even get, like, subtitles, so I I can, like, hang on, sort of, with, like, an all-French program, but my mom, she only studied it, f- like, in, you know, grade school, which was, like, 40, 50 years ago now. So she needed, we needed to find an English channel, so we'd watch CNN International. Now, CNN International is really interesting because, for some reason, only if you're not in America, I guess... Would you want to know that Africa exists? They have so much programming about Africa, like correspondence there and like this series where they go like feature these stories, different countries in the continent. Really, really interesting programming. Don't know why we don't have that here. But uh, the other fun thing was just the the absolute focus on the biggest international events, which are not always happening in the United States, versus taking whatever minutia that we have going on and just, you know, rehashing, 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 bringing Boo Boo's cousin and Boo Boo's cousin's sister's uncle to come and be like, well, what I heard that, that just people that aren't really experts to give their opinion, another opinion, another opinion, make sure a fight is started. That didn't happen on CNN over there. We heard a lot about the about Hong Kong. Because that was the big, that is like one of the biggest things happening right now is cray cray. We heard a lot about, we did hear about um, how people absolutely dragged us for filth about shootings. Oh my gosh, just this British correspondent, or I I guess she would be an anchor, but I don't even want to say anchor because it seemed like the anchorage was different um, versus here. I will get into that. But I guess she was an anchor. So she brought in, she had some American guest on. Um, by like Skype or whatever to talk about gun violence and this bitch had the nerve to be like well we don't have a stabbing problem like you do in in England and the woman was just like without even missing a beat or changing expression who's like that's right you don't but we actually think the stabbing is a problem and that's the difference between 
you and I, isn't it? Oh, that's the difference between England and the United States, isn't it? And I was like, burn. Like they were just like, look, we don't understand. It's really puzzling to America, to every, the rest of the world, why America will persist in not changing any of its laws regarding guns. It doesn't make sense. We don't understand it. And they're just dragging us. Like that's what's happening on the other side of the world right now. They're just, they don't get it. And they're just dragging us. And a quick self-interjection to say that apparently nothing has changed in that front and nothing is going to change on that front. Um, You know, I was away for almost two weeks and I see that the conversation has stagnated. This is a pattern that has always happened. Whatever president promises to make, well, let me not say, you know, Obama wanted to do more than he could regarding this issue. But he was stopped. But, you know, they make promises to make some changes and they literally retract them and just slowly wait for our attention span to shift and change into the background. And we are conditioned to forget about these things because they happen so fucking frequently. So unfortunately, it kind of works. We have moved on to other things. Some people even are suggesting that that's why Trump has been saying all this crazy stuff he's saying to distract from uh, the fact that nothing further is going to happen with gun violence. I'm not sure I want to credit him with that much um, savvy or strategery. But the, I, I mean, the, the whole the fact that we are even the thing that we are even discussing not happening was not even going to help anyway. It was background checks. And, you know, background checks are good, but that's that's not really helping when these kids are getting the guns like illegally anyway, or from their parents or something else. Like, I don't think these 15 year olds and 17 year olds went up to a store and bought the gun. So how would a background check help in that instance? Please, you know, let me know, tweet me at me if there's something I'm missing about the system and the way that that works. But to me, it just seemed like, okay, um, this is not really, that's not really going to help. Anyway, back to differences between Europe and U.S. on the news. So when we got to Barcelona, we had BBC News on the on the telly. Now, that was really striking because BBC News reminds me of the way the news was when I was like three, four. Okay, maybe I don't remember the news when I was three. But when I was a single digit number, we were watch 60 Minutes and... I'm not sure what it was, but people were just reporting facts. Like, I remember that you could have your positive associations with people. You could, like, you still, like, form your, like, little news crushes and become a fangirl of of this person, the way they say things, the way they do it, their little quirks. But that was all secondary to the fact that they were just reporting information. They didn't give their opinion. Even Christine Amanpour. I used to love Christine Amanpour. I, like, growing up... And Buffalo, I think I was sorry that this is offensive to anyone. I was always kind of fascinated by people who were like Middle Eastern, Indian. If you weren't like we just kind of have black and white people. And so when I became aware that there were people in the world who were not black, not white, but like something else, I just found that interesting. So I loved her accent, Christine Omanpool. I loved her bowl haircut that has remained the same for mm, 30 years. And... I just thought she was cool. But I remember she used to just be standing in dangerous places reporting. Like, that's what she did. And later, so I, I liked her with even without even knowing a lot about her opinions and her personalities. Like, she just was this woman as a kid I associated with, like, being 
an adventurous person that went to war torn places and put herself in dangerous situations. Not like those people that stand out in, in front of a wave to report about a hurricane. That's just stupid. But yeah, she just like did the damn thing. She was that bitch. So, but again, like now she has shows where she's just dishing about her, what her thoughts are, which is fine. But I don't think like journalism, I don't know, like opinion pieces, journalism, reporting. I feel like those used to be like a little more distinct. I, I'm not going to purport that I know official distinctions or anything like that. I'm just speaking to more to like a zeitgeist change that I felt and observed. So BBC, the people just reported the news. They went through stories and the camera would not stay on them as they talked about things. Like the camera would completely go to the footage and it was like they were just introducing a prepared story. And that's kind of what would happen. So that is in stark contrast to the U.S. where we have these talking heads. And I, I, you know, I'm not saying that this is like on the left and the right. So this is not even specific to, what, you know, one, the conservatives or the liberals. It's both. We have these, you know, Rachel Maddow will give you a monologue for 30 minutes with her own asides and her sarcasm in there. And... Now, do I consider MSNBC now a cut above CNN in terms of real news? I do. However, it's it still sometimes like bothers me a little bit that I am listening to her opinion to get information. Like we don't have that neutral reporting on TV that we have over there. So that was really interesting. Um, what else can I tell you? I don't know. I, I don't want to be that person to just be like, everything's amazing. I want to go back, but um, I do. And yeah. Oh, one funny thing was that everyone thinks that New York is just like the best place in the world. And they all want to come here for movies, which I thought was really sweet. And also funny because the only parts of New York that they really know from the movies are like Central Park, Times Square, like Soho from Sex and the City. So they have no clue like how most of New York actually lives, but they see like the most beautiful parts with the streets blocked off because someone is filming. And that gives them this feeling that they really like know it here. And they all have this feeling that it's just this beautiful city. I... I don't know that I would use the word beautiful to describe New York. Like, am I just a jaded hoe? Like, beautiful? I I think Wall Street area is cute. Like, I like the cobblestone. I don't know. Beautiful? I don't know. Beautiful is definitely a word I would use for cities that have freaking, like, gothic cathedrals and stuff and are a, a one architectural theme throughout and, like, Prague and... Budapest and I mean I just I don't I don't know but every time they're like where are you from where are you from United States oh my god oh New York oh la la oh la la oh and it was just hilarious um lastly um being black while traveling I was so when you go to the south of France, there's trains and buses that you can go all up and down like the fanciest cities that are like notorious for being bougie. Well, guess what? You can take a like two euro bus all to just drop you off at these places, go to the beach because there are public beaches and private beaches and 
quiet as it's kept, like you really, there's legally like no real, um, private beach but they would give you an issue if you wanted to like protest it it would just be a little awkward if you were like i plant my towel here but you know that's where the beach clubs have like in the front of the beach clubs by the shore they have all their chairs laid out so you could go like these places are accessible if you can get a ticket over there you can take your um beach bag and get on a bus or the train and like go up and down the coast and visit all these little fancy cities and so I, I was reading like um, the, the blogs and stuff while I was over there and I realized that like half of like tabloid and celebrity life was like very close by, like a short drive or bus or train away. Uh, Rihanna was in San Tropez, which is just like was like a few like villages over from me. And so I was getting on the train with my mom. We were going back from a day in this awesome village called Ez, which is up in the mountains and it's a Roman fort. Like shit is just so fucking old. That's the other thing you realize that America is such a baby and other people have been having the same beef for thousands of years. And it makes me mad. I'm like, can we just stop fighting? Like it's been the same fight for so long. Like this shit is boring, but it's just amazing to see that hatred goes back to BC and some of these places and it's kind of an overwhelming thought like wow how do we like get it together if we can't just stop nitpicking the same thing like oh okay we don't all have the same religion oh like let's like let's just guillotine each other and throw each other off of bridges forever but anyway as is a beautiful medieval village it's just like Roman ramparts still and carved into that is one of the most expensive hotels in the world like carved into the mountainside and like your hotel room looks like a, you're going into a historical site. And then in the inside, it's like a nice, a beautiful, you know, hotel room. And Tina Turner lives right by there. Hello. But we were leaving and getting on the train to go back where we were going. And I think someone just heard us talking to each other in English. They're like, do you need help? And I was like, oh, we're okay. Like, I think we're on the right side, right? Like this track goes here. And he's like, yes, yes. Then he whispers, are you connected to Rihanna? And we were like, what? Because when you hear something, sometimes you're like, sometimes when someone can say something perfectly clearly, but if you're not expecting to hear it, you just don't receive it. And we're like, oh, pardon? Are you connected to Rihanna? Gobsmacked. We were like, no. My mom was like, you should have told him we were. I was like, no, he is a thirsty fan. I don't get anything from signing fake autographs for being Rihanna's cousin. Now, if you said you had access to a yacht or something, now say you were like oh yes I was waiting to pick you up and and jet you away to Rihanna's like yacht like let's get on put on this jetpack here she dropped these off for her her guests and relatives yeah then I would lie but no not just because someone else is excited I was like no sir no not every black woman that speaks English is who's traveling in places you don't expect to see them is a celebrity some of us just like to go places. But I thought that was hilarious. And that's pretty much the most racist thing that happened. It is true that I consistently receive better treatment over there than I do here. And it's one of the only times that, you know, being an African American is received as a cool thing. I mean, that's why, you know, black artists were moving there in the 60s, 50s, 30s, that that's that was the flight to Paris, et cetera, et cetera. However, 
This is not true for my Senegalese brothers and sisters who I even met, you know, people who would like talk to me about the way life is there. It just seems like it's a consistent thing the world over that whatever the immigrant population of a place is, that population is received with scorn and suspicion and, you know, outright sometimes violence, disrespect, rejection. But if you're like visiting and you're and, you know, people know that you're going back where you came from then they can be just, you know, they can approach you with curiosity and graciousness and and welcome you and then send you back. Um, the other thing I think is funny is just that the immigrant populations that people have the largest problems with are places where they either invaded and colonized or completely just annexed and subsumed into their country, like, you know, our, our issues with Mexico, which, you know, Texas and California... Kind of awkward. I hate to be the, hate to bring up the elephant in the room, but used to be part of Mexico. So it just kind of seems like some of these things would have been preventable, or at least like if we could acknowledge that they happened and that we can't undo them. You don't have to act like these people are just coming to you for no reason. Like quit colonizing places. Okay, now it's time for a quick grab bag of other stories that I noticed while I was away and wanted to share with you when I came back, even if they're a little bit um, out of date now. Um, So a woman, Tasia Russell, 29, is facing charges of attempted murder, aggravated arson, endangering, and criminal mischief uh, because she set a man's house on fire who promised her dick and then fell asleep. A New Jersey woman, um, she basically sent a series of angry texts to this guy who was sleeping in his home. And when her texts and calls went unanswered, police say that Russell went to a nearby gas station and bought lighter fluid, matches, and a lighter. She started a fire outside of only the doorway to his house and then ran away as the fire spread. Um, he woke up had to take off the window frame off his window to escape, ran to the police station, covered head to toe in soot and ash, wearing only a T-shirt, and alerted police to the fire at his residence. Apparently, the man told officers that he invited Russell's to his home, adding that she was a side chick whom he'd been having a sexual relationship with. I really want to know if he used the term side chick to the police, like in a deposition. Uh, Russell sent a bunch, she sent a bunch of texts to him saying, I see you want to die and you wasted my time and money to come out here. I mean, look, violence is never the answer, but I'm not going to say that I don't understand, girl. I understand you wasted your time and money. He should have set an alarm to stay awake. Like, once dick is promised, it should never be taken away. I just think that's a, that's a setup for violence. Um, just just answer her back. And then she wouldn't have to come to your house anyway. And then she wouldn't have set the fire because she wouldn't even be there. Okay, enough victim blaming. I can't. Obviously, you should never set fire to people's homes. That goes without saying. Did I laugh when I read the story? I did. Um because it was funny and no one was harmed. Although it's a huge issue if, if any, like that could have spread to any other houses, whatever, like that's terrible. But I mean, let's move on to the next story. 
Katy Perry has more sexual harassment allegations coming forward. One of them, this is the first one from a female. The others were from men who, you know, truth be told, she was in a more powerful position over them. And we'll get to those two. But I would just like to read you the um, the allegations from a Russian TV presenter named Tina Kandilaki. Um, so she alleged in a Russian paper earlier this week that Katie tried to kiss her at a party like Katie was drunk. And she gives a detailed account of what happened, and this is what she said. Once I was invited to a private party with Katy Perry, where she, being pretty tipsy, chose me as an object for the manifestation of her passion. I managed to fight back. Strength training was not in vain. And Katy instantly found a new victim for kisses, hugs, and dirty dances. As far as I tell, there were no casualties at the party, but I won't be surprised at the stream of memories of unhappy fans who for years carried this inside themselves, and now they suddenly remembered the scolded dignity. Okay. I couldn't help myself. And... I'm going to I'm going to chalk this up to the translation. But yes, she says she said there were no casualties casualties at the party. But I won't be surprised at the stream of memories of unhappy fans who for years carried this inside themselves. And now they suddenly remembered the scolded dignity. Stop. Do someone did this lady dirty. I know someone could have translated this better before they started sharing it like this. I know they could have done better. Okay, so there's also an allegation from a model named Josh Kloss, who's 34. Um, He said that at a party, like he was in the Teenage Dream video, and at a party, she pulled down his sweatpants and underwear as far as she could go to show a couple of guy friends and the crowd around us his penis. That sounds not unlike something I could see happening. To be honest, I think both ways there there's a issue with touching between straight women and gay men. Um, there's been a lot written in the past couple of years about how gay men like grab boobs and grab vagina and think it's funny to be able to grab our boobs and be like, gross. And obviously that's a gross generalization. And none of my guy friends who are listening do things like that, except for one of you. Um, but I generally don't mind. Um, I could see her thinking that it was okay. I do think that sometimes straight women, and, and this has been written about too, with lots of gay men have written complaining about the hordes of women that go for their bachelorette parties or whatever to gay bars to ogle at the men and touch them and feel like, oh, I can touch this guy in sexual ways, but it doesn't mean anything. He can't touch me back. Look, a lot of people don't like to be touched. And just because someone is gay does not mean that they are, you know, not conservative and don't like to keep their privates inside of their pants and would just show their dick to anyone. These are huge misconceptions. But I can see I can see it happening because I see stuff like this happening for real, for real, for real in real time. Um, I think the other allegation, which I can say without even looking, was someone who was on American Idol who alleged that she kissed him like on the mouth and he didn't like it and his girlfriend got mad and blah, blah, blah. Um, the article that I read, it was a little dramatic. It was like, I'm a feminist. And because I'm a feminist, I support Katie or I not, not sorry, exact opposite. Not that I support Katie because I'm a feminist. I 
I believe these men. We have to believe men like we believe women and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, cool. Yes. I don't think like, I don't have a reason to think she did it. I mean, it's highly possible that this is all true. Um, I, I have to say like, is it not being reported a lot because it's, she's a woman? I'm not sure. It also could not be reported about because they're just, there's just more salacious, uh, sexual assault allegations with higher profile people out there right now. Like Epstein is in the news still, even after his death. Oh, that's something crazy that happened while I was abroad. Yeah. That was crazy to turn on the news and see that. Um, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, this, okay. It's a fact that these allegations haven't been getting media, that much media coverage. They haven't. And I'm just not sure. I feel like after Me Too, the movement, there were a lot, I mean, I've gotten into arguments with like Hotep adjacent people that have complained about the coverage that Bill Cosby got and R. Kelly versus other people, which is absurd. But I will say that the most powerful, wealthy men and their scandals did take up a lot of the, they took up most of the airtime, but there are lots and lots of lower level issues that happen, which they can be lower level because of the purse, the perpetrator's fame, or because they weren't as, I don't want to say not as egregious, but yes, things have degrees of egregiousness. I'm going to say not as egregious. Um, so are people going to report about someone kissing someone else drunkenly at a party when there's, you know, people are like soliciting minors and getting their best friends to be madams and all this, all the kind of crazy shit. I'm not sure. I just think it's a slippery slope to, to, to publish any kind of op-ed that even suggests that, men and women are sexually abused at the same rate and that men are sexually assaulted by women at the same rate that they are, that men are, that men sexually assault women. Okay. Let me say that again. I think it's very irresponsible and dangerous to publish anything that even comes so far as close to suggesting that men are assaulted by women at the same rate that women are assaulted by men. So that is why I think I'm like, find myself dancing in circles around, raising the alarms for this. I mean, I read about it and then I clicked on the links and it was in a bunch of other sources. Now, whether it gets picked up as the most interesting thing going right now is kind of up to the public and what we click on. So yes, is there an argument to be said that we don't take allegations against women as seriously? Sure. But I don't want to raise the alarm like that is the cause du jour because it isn't most abuse is happening from men to women. And that's just, that's just factual. Like similarly, how most murder takes place by men. Like, did I watch deadly love yesterday on, on HLN and about crazy murder, murderous women? Yeah. But they even have to go back to like, they'll show like old stories from the sixties and stuff like that to get their stories. Um, women enact violence in other ways. It's just not usually sexual assault and it's not usually, um, murder. That is the, that's the terrain of men. Just like what was the last female mass shooter that you can remember? I'm waiting. Yeah. I don't remember one either, but if you remember one, write in and let me know. 
Okay, here's an interesting story I had to share. Um, Robert De Niro is suing a former employee, Chase Robinson, alleging that she embezzled money and binge-watched Netflix during work hours. Um... Okay, to the beginning. She started out as his assistant in 2008 and was later promoted to vice president of production and finance, given a salary of $300,000 a year. Who may I assist, please? That was my first thought. Um, She resigned in April, though, amongst charges of corporate sabotage. So they say that she barely came into the office And she spent, quote, astronomical amounts of time watching Netflix. Uh, Apparently, in a four-day period in January, she allegedly watched 55 episodes of Friends. Another four-day period, she watched 20 episodes of Arrested Development and 10 episodes of Schitt's Creek. Now, to be fair, those are half-hour shows. Um, Also, she charged $12,000. Six hundred ninety-six dollars at Paola's restaurant, which I don't know this restaurant. I gotta look it up. Um, eighteen, no, eight thousand nine hundred twenty-three at Dean and Deluca and Whole Foods. This is a two-year period. Entirely possible. Have you ever been inside of a Dean and Deluca? And thirty-two thousand dollars on Ubers and taxis. This is where you lose me. Were you driving cross country? Like, did you? drive the car onto a barge, the Uber, like, driver drive you onto a barge and go, like, to Europe? What? Like, I don't, that part, that part I don't understand. Um, But I think that that is absurd, and I just wonder how people feel when they have to, like, how do you feel when you sue someone and you know that all of your allegations are comical and they're going to be a headline where people are going to laugh. Like, does that undermine your ability to get your money back at all? Also, you ain't getting your money back from her. Well, let's see if she made 300000 a year. Oh, no, but she apparently, like, embezzled money, too. So, yeah, it's gone. So this is purely punitive. The other thing I thought was, like, funny is just that when people know they're not going to get their money back, but they're just like, I hate you so much right now. Missy Elliott dropped... A new album, I thought, but it turns out it was an EP, so it has five songs on it. I need more. It's called Iconology, and I can unironically say that I didn't have to listen to it to come to you and tell you that I was thrilled. Like, I didn't, but I did, because then it was only five songs, so I had time to listen to it. And it's awesome. She's amazing. I feel like Missy represents so many things. I realized that I grew up taking good music for granted. Like I grew up thinking it was normal to have Timbaland and Missy introducing and backing amazing new artists like every other year, like Tweed or Nicole or things like that. And that I just like, I was used to the radio banging, banging in high quality and not as problematic. Like Yes, people rapped about, you know, violence and hoes or whatever, but not to the same gynecological specificity. And there was often some sort of other things behind it, like some sort of just, I guess, like thing that would connect an album together, like 
DMX is rapping, you know, he has songs about the girl in the neighborhood that he loved, but he also has songs about just like coming to your block and barking at you, you know, some, some balance. Um, but Missy is an icon and actually the time to that Katy Perry story. Do you remember the dreadful, dreadful children on Twitter a couple years ago for the Super Bowl who were like, who is that Missy Elliott person? Katy Perry let her perform for a long time. I wanted to dox them. Like I wanted to <laughs> find them and send them hate mail. It was, how dare you? How dare you? Missy is unparalleled in terms of her creativity, her style, her, first of all, her rapping skills and Back in the day where she could rap and sing at the same time and the singing wasn't like, oh, you going home. like not out of your nose with a lot of like auto tune. She could actually sing. Rapping, rhyming, unparalleled, production, unparalleled, creativity on a thousand. Like the imagery associated with her videos is just there's still there's nothing like it, and there hasn't been anything like it since. Like I She's an icon, which is why her EP was called Iconology. And yeah, it just, it made me nostalgic and also made me feel lucky and also made me feel like, can we just, like, I never, she's the person who makes bangers that are just unproblematic bangers. Like, should you want to take it to a dance class and choreograph to it? Should you want to be out in the club? Do you want to be running on the treadmill? Do you want to be twerking on your own in your room? There's just bangers like the beat the Timbaland beat has always been there has always been signature but the creativity of of the lyrics and also like the the melody was never lacking either she's just amazing and she's aging backwards she looks incredible I'm so happy that she's one of these stars that has been able to you know she hasn't released a full album in 14 years and that's totally fine because whatever you need to do to be sane and healthy and happy You've already contributed so much of your talent to the world, girl, like whatever. And I love seeing that her and Timbaland are still friends after all these years. They didn't have some dramatic falling out or any drama. Like this is just like old school, like loyalty, like I'm your writing partner. You're like, we are, we inspire each other. Kind of like pairings that I just think of as like back in the day. I, I shouldn't glamorize those groups. Some of them, you know, shot each other and things like that. But just makes me happy. So on Monday, she is receiving finally, belatedly, the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award. I don't know how she couldn't have received it earlier. It's just shocking. But finally, she is. And I believe, does she go into the Hall of Fame? Um, yeah, she entered the Songwriters Hall of Fame, again, belatedly. So it's a great year for her. Listen to Iconology. I don't know what we can do to get the rest of it from her. I just really, really, really want more. I want more. I want to start a new segment possibly called This Week in Racist People Who Aren't Racist. Um, I have a story about a doctor. Um, not a doctor, a physician's assistant. Let me not upgrade him. But I want to tie that into a story first about Dancing with the Stars. Karamu from Queer Eye and Sean Spicer, who was the press secretary for Donald Trump right before um, 
Sarah Meltyface Huckabee. Karamo's getting dragged on Twitter. It hasn't reached like mainstream media yet, but he was interviewed saying, you know, how do you feel about Sean Spicer like working with him? And he was like, me, Karamo from Queer Eye. I'm saying that Sean Spicer is a nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's a really sweet guy. Um, I, you know, I just love like talking to people and I believe that like we can learn stuff from each other. And I just think that, you know, yeah, like, so we've been talking all day and like, he's a sweet guy. He's a sweet guy. What do these words mean? Words are becoming meaningless. What is sweet? He's, what does he's a sweet guy mean? Like he didn't spit on you. He didn't tie you to a stake and burn you at the cross when he saw you. Like what? what is the standard for niceness? I don't think people realize that most people, even serial killers, like are nice to like their moms or someone like they go around in life acting like normal people, but they do bad things. They have friends, they have companions, these mass murderers, shooting uh, mass shooter guys had girlfriends, you know, the people who are reporting them oftentimes are their girlfriends or partners. What does it mean to just say someone's sweet? I think that, you know, Karamu is really rubbing me the wrong way with this. It's kind of narcissistic to think that because you're a beautiful, glowing skinned black man with a really soft looking beard, if you have a conversation with someone, they're going to stop enacting policies that are trying to harm minorities, gays, blacks, Latinos, et cetera, et cetera. Sean Spicer I know it's a whirlwind with this administration, so sometimes you got to, like, refresh yourself on the stupid things that have already happened. He was a guy that would just yell at people violently and just lie aggressively. I mean, Sarah Huckabee lied aggressively as well, but he would just be like, tell people, like, shut up and sit down. And, I mean, it was crazy. Like, he'd go in these fits of rage about spreading complete things that are absolutely not true. It's just, it was frightening to watch, like someone get in a self-righteous rage about lying and being, you know, willing to do whatever Trump told him to do. And so Karamu wants to say he's sweet. I just think that is such bullshit. And we throw around these terms and they really detract from like the main point, which is that when are we going to hold people accountable for the things that they do? There is nothing like that is more indicative of the type of person you are than who you choose to work for the kind of you know if you work for someone who's an ideologue like I would say that Trump is his ideas are crazy and spread all over the place but his philosophy is like make America great again kick out everybody not white I mean these types of things so you decide to work for someone and spread their beliefs and campaign for them and put your neck out on the line for them that is has to tie in with what you believe. Or if, if it doesn't, then you are the type of person that's willing to, you know, throw anyone under the bus to take a buck, which is also a very unsavory type of person. So am I supposed to like you because you didn't like cut me in line for Starbucks? I don't get what that means. And that kind of ties into, I mean, it doesn't tie into, I'm making like a large like loop, but there's a doctor who, again, he's not a doctor. A physician who was on trial now, um, really interesting how this happened. So lots of texts, hundreds of text messages between him and his horrible, horrible friends um, were released to the public. And now he is on trial and there's a video coming out of him, I guess it would be, I guess being deposed by the lawyer. Um, 
he... So the interesting way that this happened is that first, um, a private source reported his conversations to the Team Health and Memorial Hermann Hospital in Houston. Now, instead of going after the doctor for the horrendous, horrendous things that he said, instead, the hospital released the source's name publicly, and the, the guy, the faux doctor, sued the source. Now, for defamation, which is... I'm confused because, like, how do you defame someone with their own, like, beliefs and stuff? Anyway, a judge thankfully threw that out, and now the source is suing the hospital and this doctor because the hospital promised to let the source remain anonymous. Um, So, but again, like, they never fired this guy, never censured him in any way. Um, They released a really insincere statement saying we have become aware of a YouTube video featuring a physician's assistant, blah, blah, blah. Like he's no longer, you know, we prohibit discrimination, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So if you watch this video, it's an eight minute video. It's like so racist that even me, I was like a little taken aback. Like he complains. um, There's too many niggers here at the hospital. Like I, you know, my specialty here at this hospital is fat black girls. Um, Jew this, Jew that. Swastikas. They 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 send each other swastikas and like hail Hitler signs and like. I just don't. I don't understand. So the lawyer, who, I have to give props to this lawyer because he is one of the driest, shadiest people I've ever encountered. He was just asked these asked questions in such a searing way. Like at one point, he asked him like. So physician's assistant, what, um, what accreditation is that exactly? If you could tell, like he, his larger point was trying to ask him if whatever, you know, oaths this guy has sworn to be a PA, do they have an ethical clause? And does he think these, that his text messages would like meet their ethics standards? But in, in the process of getting there, he just shaded the whole like concept of a physician's assistant and was like, what? are you but the point is that even though this guy let me see if I can find some of the quotes hold on I actually don't want to watch the whole eight minutes again because it was so hateful and scary and it'll make you never want to go to a hospital again but let me just say that this person also made fun of children with down syndrome and other uh, people with disabilities this is a physician's assistant who is providing you like health care it's beyond my comprehension really but the the guy, Simon, I'm not going to call him Dr. Simon. Simon keeps saying this locker room talk was a joke. First of all, again, this is this idea of locker room talk is something the president enabled with the grab him by the pussy thing. I don't care where you are. Like maybe, okay, for example, the podcast, I'm dropping F-bombs, whatever. I'm not going to do that at work. However, I don't say anything here that I don't like believe that I would not be able to repeat in another setting for fear of like getting fired. This 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 is ridiculous. He keeps reframing in his locker room talk. And then the the lawyer will be like, "So, can you read this text? Like nig- too many niggers in the hospital. The black is rubbing off on me. I'm going to pretty soon my pants are going to fall down like them." And that was the kind of stuff you say. And then he'd be like, "But you are not racist." "No. No, I'm not." And the lawyer was like, "Okay." Just like a meaningful pause. And so all that is to say that this guy, Simon, 
if he were put on Dancing with the Stars with Karamu, probably wouldn't say, probably would not call him a nigger to his face. He probably would not, you know, engage in this kind of locker room talk. So what is going to make him a nice guy? If, would, would Karamu say that he was a nice guy because he is, he didn't like spit in his face, had a conversation with him and some small talk as you do when you're both waiting in the green room for something. And that's that my point is just that we there's like no accountability for anyone's actions anymore. And I'm really confused by it. If anything, we have people now, you know, writing op-eds and about call-out culture, which Karamu was guilty also for criticizing call-out culture and how it goes too far and blah, blah, blah. And where is we, nothing can go too far when people haven't admitted anything yet. When I was in Barcelona, we passed by a statue that was like, here is the place where, you know, hundreds of people died. And we put this statue here to remind everyone what happens when like democracy is threatened and like fascism, uh, you know, that we were once under a fascist regime change and blah, blah, blah. Like, I wish I knew better the historical circumstances or remembered it. But me and my mom both turned to each other and said, nothing like that would be in America. We are unique in the world and not acknowledging the things that we've done wrong in the past, in the extremely recent past, because our whole fucking past is recent. And so until we grapple with stuff like that, we're going to have people like this fake doctor, like saying heinous, heinous things, like really, really bad, like kind of fucking weirdos send each other swastikas. I don't understand. And then... Um, saying like, but no, I'm not racist. It was a joke, which is like, mm, shouldn't jokes be funny? We're we're gonna have these these things like existing side by side. We're gonna have people that have really horrible, damaging, not just beliefs, but things they put into practice, like Sean Spicer, being alongside people like Karamu, and you feel obligated to be like, I want to listen to them and find out where they're coming from. Like you already know where they're coming from. I know where y'all are coming from. It's not confusing because I think I've said before, like Du Bois said, the the veil, like I had to learn all about white people growing up. They didn't necessarily have to learn about me, but I had to learn, you know, all about European culture and white American culture and blah, 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 to be able to navigate these worlds. So I fully well understand what people are afraid of and their concerns and why they feel the way they do about certain issues. I just also know that, you know, Certain people are in a privileged position to focus more on the money going into their pocket than whether people are dying or whether people are in cages at the border, et cetera, et cetera. Like I see it from a bird's eye view, kind of. I think being a minority makes you do that. We don't just see our side. We see all sides. So in any case, he's not racist. Nothing is racist. Racism doesn't exist. I think this is funny because also because I just feel like Racism has become this thing that means more to white people amongst each other than it does to us. Like, we all know who's racist and who's not. We that we would never turn to you to find out. We're like, I'm not going to ask you if you're racist. And if you tell me no, then I'm like, oh, OK, great. No, I'm going to judge you by your actions. So 
it's it's like it's like all of the recipients of racism have been completely removed from the equation now like we don't matter the fact that there's all these black women who went to the Houston hospital that are scared to get treated there now and you know scared of the kind of treatment they received in the past that is secondary to just whether you can you know, have on your resume, I am not racist, so that you can like think of yourself as a good person, even though nothing you've done is good. Like, you suck. So that's that. I just, I don't really get it. This is the kind of thing that's continuing. These are the kind of things that I saw uh, right when I came back or right before I left and blah, blah, blah. So I gave you a little melange today of old news and new news. And I didn't mention that Trump tried to buy Greenland and said that he was the second coming of Christ. I didn't mention that because we're not going to talk about that. Okay, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, singer, and writer Kelechi Azier. It features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. Please subscribe and rate and review. We need your ratings and reviews so we can keep pumping the episodes out. By we, I mean me. That's what keeps me going. That's how I stay connected to you. And that's how the algorithm works so that you can, I can be found when people go to look for new podcasts. If you rate and review me, then I will go a little closer to the top thank you so much again the podcast can be found wherever podcasts are sold but please rate and review on apple and i will talk to you soon bye